listening to Panels of Blood, the Krampus Christmas Special, part of SplatterPictures.net. Welcome to Panels of Blood, the Krampus Christmas Special. Anyone that follows me on the Dead Air podcast or social media is probably not surprised, but I love Christmas. And I also love Christmas specials. That's why when I first started SpiderPictures.net, the first time that December rolled around, I did a whole bunch of Christmas reviews. I don't know what it is. I think it's partially to do with the fact that I grew up watching a lot of Christmas specials, the Rankin and Bass ones, Christmas movies, Christmas episodes of my favorite sitcoms and cartoons. I mean, to this day, I still watch the Garfield Christmas special, and I still watch the He-Man She-Ra Christmas special the elf Christmas special that's randomly super sad at the end. And while we do Christmas episodes on the Dead Air podcast, I thought it only appropriate that I go full-on Christmas special with the 30th episode of Panels of Blood. And this is going to be special because normally we take a story from one of the trade paperbacks that I have and divide it up into four or five parts but because it's the holidays because i really want to get the whole special out in one go we are going to do it as a piece so that is going to be four issues read to you right now so it's going to be a bit of a sit and the story that we're going to be doing is krampus by michael daughtry and a whole bunch of other people now horror fans might be familiar with michael daughtry he was the person that created Trick or Treat, the horror anthology based around Halloween that everyone loves, and he created that little guy named Sam, which is basically just a Halloween mascot, a little sack boy with a pumpkin for a head. In 2015, he decided to tackle another holiday, and he did the film Krampus. It's a really good flick, it's really funny, and I love the design of Krampus. It's very, very creepy, especially the uncanny valley around the face that dead eyes, the gaping maw. It's pretty damn cool, the long fingers. And I just like the idea of more people getting into the character of Krampus. Now, Krampus has been around for hundreds of years, and it seems only recently that it has become more popular, and it seems every year it's just a little bit more popular than the last. You first start hearing things and seeing images and People saying Happy Krampus or Merry Krampus. All of a sudden there's ornaments and t-shirts and action figures, Funko Pops and movies. All kinds of things that are celebrating this really formerly obscure bit of Christmas folklore. With the popularity of Krampus, it's easy to forget where this character comes from and... 
if you guys are interested in the history of the Krampus, I very highly recommend a book that came out just last year called The Krampus and the Old Dark Christmas, Roots and Rebirth of the Folklore Devil. It's a book written by Al Ridenor. It's probably the most comprehensive book I've ever read on Krampus, and it really gives you an idea of the roots of this character, which most people would just assume is German, but actually has more roots in Austria and Bavaria. Although if you go to certain areas in Germany, they will know what Krampus is, but it's just regarded as something that's more celebrated fully and wholly in those other countries and regions surrounding them. The one thing that I will say that seems to be getting lost in the translation about what Krampus is, is it seems that in the West he's kind of become an evil Santa Claus, particularly in how Michael Daughtry presents this character. This giant, hulking, bearded entity does have cloven hooves, does have the horns, but also has an army of murderous toys and elves at his disposal that kill with Christmas contraptions. And that's all well and good for the narrative of Krampus. But really what the Krampus is, is this entity that doles out the punishment. And in Europe, St. Nicholas really isn't like Santa Claus. Santa Claus is really something that the United States had redefined, as most people know. Even the image from Coca-Cola and whatnot, combining this idea of this altruistic being that will also, if you were a bad person, it would give you coal. Whereas in Europe, St. Nicholas really doesn't punish naughty kids. That is actually what Krampus does. So Krampus is the one with the coal and the stacks of rutin and and in some cases does bash kids with a switch or carries them up in a basket and then takes them away later to beat them. So really Krampus could be thought of more as a minion or an entity in service to St. Nicholas as opposed to the moon to his son, this thing that would get summoned instead of St. Nicholas. And in old depictions are usually shown together. St. Nicholas looking very regal and holy and Krampus sort of skittering behind him wielding his club and just being a hairy little devil. I've said this before on social media, and I am i probably said it on one of the episodes of the podcast if we ever got talking about Krampus, but what I love about Krampus and what, to me, Krampus has really become in the West is an excuse for horror fans and anyone that feels counterculture to be festive. It allows people permission to celebrate Christmas, provided they do their own little irreverent twist. And I am not pointing fingers. You're talking to a person that has lots of Krampus ornaments on his Christmas tree. I absolutely love this tradition. I love how the West has embraced it. I love how, thanks to the internet, people can find out about this kind of thing. And as I was saying before, every year it seems to get bigger and more popular. And I promise you guys out there that This is only the tip of the crazy folklore that exists all over the world. Christmas can have a lot of dark connotations. If you are a person that likes the macabre, then might I suggest bringing back the old Christmas tradition of ghost stories. On the Dead Air podcast, we did Crimson Peak, 
And we talked all about how that is a forgotten tradition that we could easily bring back and why films like Crimson Peak are so perfect for around the holidays. And Krampus is just another part of that. It's this dark folklore, something sinister that we can just see out of the corner of our eyes in what is the darkest time of the year for us. I think that's what lends the Christmas season to such creepy little stories. And that is why we are going to be reading Michael Daughtry's Krampus. All four issues, right here, right now. And I am telling you, listeners, it is an absolutely perfect environment to do so. Right now in Canada, we got ourselves one hell of a snowstorm. I can see giant flakes just beating against the window right now. Barely any light coming through. Sitting in my high back chair fixed myself a brandy for this very special occasion. And so without further ado, I give you Krampus, Shadow of St. Nicholas. Stories by Todd Casey and Michael Daughtry and Zach Shields. Written by Zach Shields and Todd Casey. Co-written by Laura Shields. Story 1. Art by Christian Debari. Colors by Mike Spencer. Book 2. Art by Man House. Colors by Guy Major. Book 3. Art by Stuart Sager. Colors Guy Major. Book 4. Art by Michael Montanat. Colors Mike Spencer. Letters. A Larger World Studios. Cover, Fiona Staples. Book design, John J. Hill. Edited by Robert Napton. Establishing shot, the interior of a shopping mall. A crowd of about a half dozen parents and children wait to meet Santa Claus. This mall Santa himself is old, weary looking. His suit is ill-fitting. He looks powerfully sad child sits on his lap close-up shot an exuberant child tells santa what they want for christmas santa what do you want kid the kid i'm not a kid i'm julia i want a bow an arrow like that girl in the movies close-up shot of santa a new child sits on his lap and what do you want the kid fortress of death three with santa a shaving kit kid what santa you're old. Inset panel. Santa pouring a little Christmas cheer into his cocoa. If you catch my meaning. A little girl with pigtails pulls on Santa's beard while Santa himself appears to be asleep. Santa, are you asleep? Your coffee smells like adult lemonade. Santa now being shocked awake. His helper elf looking shocked as a little girl goes flying from Santa's lap. Santa? 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 Santa awakes. Charlie's got us surrounded. Evac! We need an evac now! Santa stretching now, walking away from his chair. The little girl's mother kneeling down to help her child. What's wrong with you? From off panel. Santa's elf, Audrey. Ma'am, I'm so sorry. It must have been an accident. The mother. Get the manager. Now. Santa drinking his special cocoa. While the woman walks past him, holding her daughter. Santa. You can talk to the manager all you want, lady. 
But only Santa can help pull that sleigh you're hauling. Talking about her. Wide behind. The woman suddenly turns around and slaps Santa across the face, his drink spilling out of his mouth. Whamp. The drink he spit up went all over his manager. His manager has short brown hair, dorky, thin glasses, and a beard. He's wearing a festive holiday Christmas sweater with a snowman on it. His manager says, Two weeks of working here and you haven't shown up on time once, let alone sober. You're grouchy, you scare the kids, make lewd comments to women, and you smell awful. If you weren't the only fat, old bastard with a beard who applied for the job, I would have said this day one, you're fired. Santa's elf, a young woman, attractive, short black hair, named Audrey, steps in. Steve, you can't do this. Steve, the manager, looking back at her. What are you talking about? You told me he was the worst Santa we've ever had. Audrey. I know. I know, and he is. But all these kids came to make their Christmas wish. And the worst Santa is better than no Santa. Steve. Is it? Audrey and Steve in the foreground, Santa in the background. He's lighting a cigarette and leaning on the wall with one hand. Audrey. Please, Steve. I'll keep him in line. I promise. Santa. Keep you in line. Steve. I'm doing this for you, Audrey. Audrey turning to Santa, snatching the cigarette out of his mouth. Audrey. Don't screw with me on this. Santa. I'll screw anything. Santa now, looking away from Audrey, drinking from his flask directly. Audrey, picking up some fallen gifts on the ground. Santa. Kids just want a bunch of junk. Forget what they've got. Freedom. Good men died so these little porkers could run around demanding cheap crap. Parents aren't much better. Audrey. What are you doing to make the world so great? Santa, throwing his now empty flask at the ground by Audrey's feet. Not a goddamn thing. Audrey. Stepping up, right into Santa's face. He looks shocked. She looks furious. You're right. You're useless. And that's why I'm sure you'll be spending Christmas alone this year. Santa, pointing an accusing finger at Audrey. She now looks shocked. You don't think I got friends? I got plenty of friends, honey. Friends that would have died for me. Wordlessly, the mall Santa walks away from Audrey, heading out into the cold night. The automatic doors of the mall close behind him. Santa, with his hat off, stands there defiantly. Friends? Psh, I got loads of friends I can call. Santa now holding up his cell phone to his ear while he lights another cigarette. What do you mean? I just talked to him yesterday. We were going to the bar on Christmas Eve, but he didn't even... Okay, yes, yes, I understand. Is there a funeral? Or awake? Close-up shot of Santa, letting the smoke out of his mouth. What? Why not? How much would it cost? Christ. Well, what about a cremation? Fine. Yeah. I'll get the money. I don't know. I'll sell my car if I have to. Yeah. Real Mary. From off-panel, Audrey. I'm sorry. Audrey, standing out in the cold with the mall Santa, holding his hat out to him. Audrey. I didn't mean to eavesdrop. You forgot your hat. If you need help, I can... Santa interjects. You can help by minding your own goddamn business. The snow has become heavy. The two are lit only by the lights from the doors of the mall. Audrey is looking down, her arms crossed. Santa walking away from her. Cigarette still dangling in his mouth. 
Audrey. You okay to drive? Santa. That doesn't sound like your business, does it? Mere feet from the mall, Santa slams his car into a pole in the parking lot. Glass from his windshield in his hat, a long gash on the side of his head, he says. Not again. The mall Santa, with a bottle in his hand, stumbles lamely back into the mall. A nearby child says, Dad, why is Santa walking like a zombie? Santa, what are you looking at, huh? A bunch of do-nothings? Interior shot, Audrey and her manager Steve in his office. Steve is leaned back in his chair, his feet on the desk, his arms out, prostrating. Steve, are you crazy? There's no way. He's a complete mess and a liability. Audrey, Steve, it's Christmas. And sometimes people just need a second chance. You know, he's not that bad. Just then, the mall Santa smashes through the front door of Steve's office, drunken, wielding his bottle. And he shouts, Give me my check, Steve. Inset panel, Santa falling face first onto the floor. Off panel, Audrey. Okay, he's pretty bad. Later, we now see Santa, his head bandaged, lying on a couch, his jacket used as a blanket. He comes to. Uh, sitting up suddenly. What the? The mall Santa now, rubbing his head, walks towards Audrey, who's sitting by herself in the mall. Audrey, you passed out, and then, well, a lot of stuff happened. Santa. Hope I'm not pregnant. Audrey. <laughs> but seriously, we're, uh, we're stuck here. Something crazy happened with the weather, and now there's like 30 people, including a few kids, stuck in the store. The mall Santa. Stuck? I don't think so, sister. I got a promise to keep. Audrey. Aren't you forgetting something? Like how you kind of crashed your car? Santa's shoulders are slumped forward. He looks defeated. Audrey continues explaining. But even if you had a car, the whole city is on lockdown. They're telling everyone to stay inside because the roads are too dangerous. But I think there's more to it. I've been hearing a lot of sirens. Santa. Any other good news? An entire sliver panel. Black. We can only see the word bubbles. Audrey. They said to expect power outages. Santa. Ah, crap. The two now in darkness. Just tell me Steve froze to death in the parking lot so I can believe in God again. Audrey. Actually, he's organizing everyone by the Santa village to do a head count and make a plan. Santa. And he wants my help or something? Audrey, sitting down, holding her knees, she looks sad. No, he said... Never mind. Santa. What? Audrey. Well, in the unfortunate event that you wake up, to keep an eye on you and make sure you don't steal anything. Santa tearing off a mattress tag. You know, one of those do-not-tear-off tags. Well, good luck selling this mattress, Steve. Audrey, this isn't Steve's section. Santa, I'm gonna piss on his desk. A shot of Steve now, standing in Santa's chair in the middle of Santa's village. He has his arms out, and he's addressing a crowd of shoppers that are surrounding him. We don't know how long we're going to be stuck in here, so let's hope for the best and prepare for the worst. A close-up shot of Steve, pointing his finger, giving orders. One group pulls all the bedding, blankets, and pillows we can find. Another fans out to find all the food we can. 
A third gathers candles, battery-powered lamps, and a working radio. And Audrey will watch the kids. We need every strong hand we have gathering supplies. Oh, and no stealing. The mall Santa, with a bottle of champagne in his hand, shouts out to Steve. Hey, Steve. Steve. Yes, Santa? I'm just borrowing this. Also, nobody here likes you. Now, in the child care section, the mall Santa and Audrey and the children, three of them, are standing around. Caption, child care, later. One of the kids. Shouldn't you be making toys and getting ready for Christmas? Santa. Look, kid, obviously you haven't quite pieced this together, so let me spell it out to you. Audrey elbows Santa suddenly in the stomach. Audrey. Well, Julia, that's a job for elves like me. Santa's more of an elf manager. One of the kids looking up to Santa, pointing to the bandage on his face. Did you fight somebody or something? Santa. Yeah, people were asking Santa too many questions. The little girl with the pigtails. Why did those men in uniforms carry you through the Mucho Mart? Are you sick? My grandma was sick and she died. Are you gonna die? Audrey pulling the bottle away from Santa. Santa. I got news for you, kid. Someday we... Audrey. Sorry, Violet. I need to borrow Santa for a sec. Audrey. Grabbing Santa by the jacket and shoving him up against the wall. Audrey. How about I spell it out loud and clear for you? These kids are part of a group home that left them here. The closest thing they have to a parent is a social worker with 15 other kids to look after. You're the only thing they've got to believe in. So quit being a jackass and start acting like Santa. Santa now, turning to look at the kids. So, who wants to remind Santa what they wanted for Christmas? One of the kids. What's the matter? Did you forget? Is it because you're old? Miss Susan says old people forget things. The mall Santa. Santa's just had a long day is all. Two of the kids looking up at Audrey. Elf lady, I'm cold. Audrey. I know, Marlo. The heat is... Little girl. And I'm starving. Audrey. Let me go see what's taking them so long. She leans down. Don't worry. They're probably taking their time finding the best food and the warmest blankets. The little girl. I don't care if it's the best. I just want to eat. As Audrey leaves, Santa points to her. And grab some wine. If I don't get a drink soon, I'm going to get cranky. Audrey. No, you're not going to get cranky. You're going to be the jolliest Santa that ever lived till I get back. Got it? Santa turning to the kids. Hey, kids. You want to hear about the special girl Santa has to pay to sit on his lap? Off panel. Oh my god. Fine. Audrey is just, just about to leave. I could use a bottle myself. One of the kids. I want to be a special girl. Santa. You're better than that, Julia. Audrey now, walking by herself, down one of the grocery aisles in the mall. She has a shopping cart full of warm clothes. The mall is so cold, you can see her breath. She calls out. Steve? Yo! Anybody out there? Hello! A close-up shot of Audrey. She looks confused, unable to find anyone. Behind her, fiery... Red eyes illuminate the background, but she can't see them. Audrey, I hope this isn't as bad of an idea as I think it is. She turns a corner to the wine aisle. Merry Christmas, Santa. Audrey, reaching out to grab a bottle of wine. 
She reads the bottle. France? French makes good wine, right? As she pulls the bottle away, in its stead is the severed, frozen head of a man, and she, in pure terror, lets out a scream. Cut back to Santa and the kids. The children heard the scream, as did Santa. Julia. What was that? Another one of the kids. It was a scream. I heard it. It was like an ah. Another. We're not dumb. Tell us what's going on, Santa. Santa turning to the kids, his face in shadow. It's, uh... Then he gets into character. Ho, ho, ho. Why, the elves must be playing, uh, reindeer games. How about we play our own game? You can each ask Santa any question you want about the North Pole, and I'll tell you my secrets. The kids seem into that. Really? I call first. How come Mrs. Claus never comes to the Mucho Mart? Santa scratching his nose. Well, uh, that's a good one, kid. Off panel. Come on, tell us. Okay. I guess I'll start by saying that Mrs. Claus is the best, most caring woman Santa's ever met. Off panel. Is she beautiful? Santa looks longingly up to the ceiling. So beautiful. And for a while, we were the best of friends. But then the government called Santa and his reindeer away on a very dangerous mission. And when Santa came home, it was hard for him and Mrs. Claus to relate anymore. Santa now looks down, and a tear rolls down his cheek. I guess things kind of fell apart from there. But I hear she's happy with her new life. So that's good. Santa now perks up. He's still got that bottle of wine in his hand. Sorry, kids. Santa is running low on his magic grape juice. So, who's next? Audrey, bolting as fast as she can down the aisles of the mall. The interior so cold that thick icicles have formed along the top of every aisle. In the foreground, one of the would-be mall shoppers, frozen solid in terror, their flashlights still on, illuminating them. Audrey, panting heavily as she runs, steam coming from her mouth. Suddenly, she's grabbed by the arm and pulled back. She shouts, Whoa! It was Steve, himself looking cold. Icicles formed around his glasses and nose. Steve, they'll hear you. Audrey, who? We see two small figures in tattered robes, either one of them wearing these strange carved wooden masks. They look like Gnostic elves. They're carrying the frozen corpse of another one of the would-be shoppers. Audrey off panel. What the? Santa now sitting cross-legged in a circle with the children. And that's why Santa doesn't have his sleigh anymore. All right, Marlo, you're up. Marlo. Tell us about the reindeers? Off panel, another kid. Yeah, are they nice to Rudolph? Do they have new babies? What are the babies' names? Santa. Well, our mission was very difficult and dangerous, but it brought Santa and the reindeer very close. Like brothers. Off panel. Ever since my brother turned 14, he doesn't play with me. He likes to look at ladies on the computer. Santa. Good man. The kids. So, what happened to the reindeer? Are you still brothers? Santa. Forever. But only some of the reindeer came back from the mission. And today, Santa found out he lost the last and best of them all. Julia. Rudolph? Is Rudolph dead? Santa. 
Oh, no, no, no. He's there just on vacation. Off panel. I think my dog Pepper is too. I bet they're having a great time hanging out on vacation together. Yeah, I'll bet. You know, her bunch of rabbit turds, you're all right. Suddenly, the door behind them slams open. The children scream in fright. It's Audrey and Steve. Audrey is helping Steve walk. His leg looks wounded as pants are shredded. Audrey, close the door behind me. Close the door behind me! Santa does what he's told. Jesus H. Christ, what the... I mean, looks like someone lost the reindeer games. He leans into Audrey. The hell is going on? Audrey, it's bad, man. Really bad. There's like... Steve. Elves. There's elves. The kids look surprised and excited. Really? You saw them? Steve, yes. They're everywhere. Hiding all over. They have teeth. Sharp teeth. And they're coming to kill... Santa smacks Steve across the face. Steve rubbing his face. Thanks. I guess I needed that. Santa smacks him again on the other side of the face. Santa. Just in case. The kids look afraid. Julia's crying. Are the elves bad? Santa. Nah, it's just... Well, a lot of people don't like Steve. Especially elves. I'm sure he's just being a Nancy about it. Steve, pointing an accusing finger at Santa. Like hell I am. You didn't see. Santa, with a warning, raises his hand as if he might slap Steve again. Hmm? Steve, looking dejected. Nothing. Santa, putting his hand on the head of a smiling child. You let old Santa do some recon. We'll get this all sorted out. Audrey whispers in Santa's ear. Just stay here and listen to what we're trying to say. You don't understand what's going on. You could get killed out there. Santa, as he's opening the door and leaving the room. Audrey, I've been a lot of places where I could get killed. One more ain't gonna hurt. Inset panel. Santa snapping a mop handle with his boot. He now holds the handle like a spear and walks through the frozen wine rack. He looks wary. Well, hello, free wine. I'll be seeing you on the way back. Above the wine racks are the elves chattering away, gleeful laughter coming through their frozen wooden masks. Suddenly, the entire mall shakes and the ceiling collapses around Santa, letting the cold snow break in and beat down on him. He tumbles over. God damn it! He looks up to the hole in the ceiling. Audrey, an inset panel, showing Audrey, Steve, and the kids. Audrey, earthquake! Steve, take my hand, buddy. <laughs> One of the kids. Don't touch me, Nancy. Santa, looking up to the hole in the ceiling in disbelief and fear. Holy mother of God. There, through the opening, in silhouette, we can see only the faint markings of a hood, a hunchback, tattered robes, long curled horns, and glowing pinpoint yellow eyes. Off panel, Santa. What the? That's not. Am I in? We need a chopper. Santa now running in total terror, his PTSD overtaking him. The hole in the ceiling has caused winter to fully take over this interior of the mall. It is now a frozen, icy wasteland. Santa screaming, get us out. We need evac ASAP. Suddenly, 
He's clunked on the back of the head with a small bat. He falls forward. Cheap shot! He turns around and smacks this elf across the face. The elf headbutts him right square into the forehead. Thunk! Back to Audrey, Steve, and the kids, sitting on the floor, huddled together. Steve, it sounded like an explosion. One of the kids, I miss Santa. I hope he's okay. Cut to Santa, getting his ear bitten off by the masked elf. He screams out in pain. Audrey giving a reassuring look to one of the children. Santa can hold his own. Trust me, he's pretty tough for an old guy. Santa has bitten the nose off of one of the elves and spits it back into its face while the elf pulls its head away, holding his face. The mask cracked. Santa, got your nose, buddy. Steve, rubbing his cheek. It's hard. I'll give him that. Back to Santa fighting the elves. Another one comes up from behind him and stabs him in the side with a sharp candy cane. It punctures deep and blood spills out. Audrey, Santa's coming back. He's probably just lost in the grape juice aisle. One of the kids, he left us here, didn't he? A knock at the door. Steve, like magic. There he is. Hang on a sec. I gotta move the barricade. And sure enough, there's a bunch of furniture piled in front of the door. The kids cheer. Yay, he made it. As Steve opens the door. Thought you passed out drunker. But it wasn't Santa. It's one of the elves brandishing a large axe. It's them! The elf moves to enter the room. Steve, looking shocked. Please don't! They're just kids! Thunk, thunk! The elf dies, falls forward, dropping the axe. Two arrows are in the back of his head. Standing over him, the silhouette of a hooded man with a crossbow. The kids shouting in unison, Santa! But it's not a hood. It was just the bizarre silhouette of Santa with a big pack full of goodies that he has found in the mall. Makeshift weapons. But he does have that crossbow. Sorry I'm late. Santa had some last-minute shopping to do. Julia looking down at the dead elf, lying in a pool of its own blood. Did the elves turn bad? Santa. Sometimes good men do. Then the good men left have to deal with it. Shortly. It's a hero shot. Santa got a hockey stick. Audrey think she's got the axe that the elf used. All the kids are in hockey gear, skateboarding gear, helmets. They look ready to rumble. Steve has a catcher's mitt. Steve, a catcher's mitt? Seriously? Santa giving Steve the hockey stick. Fine. Here, just don't put your eye out. Audrey, are you sure this is a good idea? Santa, yeah. Kids have played enough video games to know how this works. Kill bad guys. Don't die. Plus, I've got a plan. Steve, are you going to tell us what it is? Santa, yeah, it's shut up and follow me. Santa saluting the children. Ready, soldiers? The children salute back. Aye, aye, Captain. Yes, sir. Santa hands Julia, the smallest of the children, a crossbow. Merry Christmas, Julia. Audrey with a smirk. Are you seriously giving that to a child? Santa, it was on her list. Now, the group huddled together, walking, weapons ready, through the ransacked, frozen mall. Santa, kids, you stay close. And if anything comes at you, kids, we bash its head in. Santa, damn right. They hear something. Santa readies his crossbow. 
Look alive. This is what we trained for. Steve, picking up a big Christmas decoration. It's like a nutcracker. He says, See, Audrey? Yard decorations in the toy aisle again. If Kevin thinks he's ready for that assistant manager position, he's got another thing coming. Maybe he should quit smoking weed and start. But this is no ordinary nutcracker. Its mouth produces sharp fangs and it bites down, severing at least two of Steve's fingers. He screams in pain. Suddenly, it's not just a nutcracker, but a teddy bear, a giant robot, and all kinds of other toys with glowing red eyes. Long fangs start dropping from the ceiling. Steve, my fingers, oh God. Santa, Catcher's mitt doesn't look so dumb now, does it? Audrey as she bashes one of the toys away. Santa, help! The kids are getting in on the action, firing with their crossbows, knocking a toy down with a headshot. The robot is walking towards the group. Steve now huddled on the floor, his hand bleeding profusely. One of the toys is grabbing Santa, and he's trying to rip them away as a teddy bear with fangs gnaws on his shoulder. The toys, marching in on the group, suddenly start to erupt in electricity. They're flipping out. One of the robot's heads is spinning wildly out of control. And suddenly, they all shut down. The smoldering pile of robotic death toys lies in a heap in front of them. The kids, Santa, you did it. Audrey, it's a Christmas miracle? Steve, Santa didn't do that. It just malfunct. Santa, shut up, Steve. Santa, wincing in pain, holding his side. Steve, whoa, are you all right? A close-up shot of the wound in Santa's side. Goddamn bandage came off. Audrey, we can redress it. Santa, no time. That crash will bring more elves. We keep moving. An establishing shot. Numerous elves standing around a conveyor belt that seems to have been hastily made by a bunch of things that were in the mall. They are rapidly building more of these evil death toys. Audrey, Steve, and Santa look on. Audrey, it's a goddamn nightmare toy factory. Santa, and we're going to plow right through it. Audrey taking a closer look at the huddled group of these evil elves. Are you sure you're up for this? Santa looking back at Audrey. You kidding? Inset panel. He fires an arrow directly into the back of one of the elves' heads. Thunk! Santa, holding the bat and his crossbow, says, First time I haven't felt useless in years. Santa charges in. The elves are many, and they dogpile him. They pile on him while he swings his bat wildly, just trying to knock as many of them as he can. He uses this as a distraction for Steve, Audrey, and the kids to escape, and they head for a vehicle. Audrey, hurry, get in the truck, kids. The kids look back and call, Santa! Now, all of them in the truck. Audrey, not a bad plan, huh? Santa, struggling amongst the crowd of elves. This was a dumb plan. Off panel, Audrey shouts, Hey, Santa! Audrey from the car. She's in the passenger side. She has the door open. Hurry your fat ass up! Santa, clunking two of the elves' heads together, cracking their masks. Now this truck pulling a sleigh full of presents of all things. This still, by the way, is inside of the mall. They haven't left yet, even though everything is so frozen over and full of snow that you would think that they're outside. Santa, sure you don't want me to drive? 
getting stabbed kind of sobered me. Audrey now, who's the one driving the vehicle, by the way. I got it, thanks. The elves scampering away, trying to get out of the way of the truck. Santa, did you just use a turn signal? Audrey, Santa, shut the hell up. Santa, <laughs> look at the little turds run. The kids in the back, this rules. Audrey, you kids are insane. An exterior shot of the car swerving through this frozen over mall. Audrey, now that we stole the car, you mind telling me where I'm driving it? Santa, straight ahead, through those doors, and the hell out of here. Audrey, that's not a door. She screams, looking terrified. That's a second-story window. And this vehicle crashes out through the window. The airbags deploy, and they land outside of the mall. The thick, heavy snow breaking the vehicle's fall enough not to kill them all. Santa, looking up amongst the airbags and broken glass. Everyone all right? The kids. Yeah. One of them points, looking excited. Look, it's another Santa. Inset panel. Audrey, shocked. That's not Santa. Off panel. Santa. Let me, uh, go talk to him. Audrey. Are you out of your mind? Santa leaving the vehicle. Yes. Lock the doors and stay low. We see now. Santa standing in the parking lot. Howling winds. Whipping snow all around him. And the figure in front of him. He stands at least nine feet tall, completely covered in a red robe, lined with white fur over his hood. A menacing chain dangles around his wrist and waist, and we see at the bottom of his robes a cloven hoof is poked through. He's got a long beard with two long braided strands on either side. His face is obscured by shadow. We can only see the dropped, gaping mouth of the uncanny valleyed face of the Krampus. His two yellow, glowing eyes, dots gleaming out from the hood. Atop his head, two massive, curled horns. From his gaping mouth, a steady stream of frosty breath. Santa now, standing defiantly in front of this creature. Look, I don't know what you are. Or what you want. But they're good kids. Audrey's a saint. Steve's, well, nobody's perfect. But if you make one move towards this jeep, I'll... The Krampus lets out a long, billowing roar. And just like that, Santa is sucked below the snowdrift. Audrey, her hand pressed against the glass, crying out, No! She looks on, crying. What? I don't understand what just happened. The three kids crying in the background. Is Santa gone? He can't be. Steve, looking towards the children, trying to say something encouraging. Santa's not gone. He's always with us. Audrey leaning forward, her eyes closed, tears streaming down her face. Steve from off panel. He just needed us to believe in him. And we see the Krampus walking away back into the night and in the foreground we just see santa's hat lying in the snow with no idea where his body might be end book two establishing shot 
We open to the profile of a stone angel. It's snowing heavily around it. We pull out and we see a graveyard and the failing light. There, alone, standing in the snow, is a woman. She's a police officer. She's holding a bouquet of flowers over a grave. A closer shot from over her shoulder, we see the tombstone. Krista Kim, 1978 to 2003. The woman. Hey, Chris. Merry Christmas. Well, almost. She lays the bouquet of flowers, white roses, down at the grave. Next to it, someone has laid a poinsettia. The woman pulls the tag to read it. She says idly, You still have a secret admirer. Once again, I'm still your jealous little sister. The tag reads, Merry Christmas. If I could take your place, I would. You deserve better. Electronic voice. You are working on Christmas again, aren't you? The officer as she is walking out of the graveyard. Mom, we do this every year. Yes, I'm working. Yes, I'm still trying to find the asshole who ran down Krista. Yes, the cold still sucks. And no, I don't feel like I need to move on with my life. Sitting down now in the car, her mother says, Honey, it would mean a lot to us if just once you would fly out and spend Christmas with the family you have left. Some days it feels like I lost two daughters. It's a tragedy what happened to Krista, but sometimes life's not. The officer, you're right, Mom. Life's not fair, but maybe I can do something about that. Her mother, Sandy Kim, it's time to let go. Sandy adjusts her rearview mirror. Sandy looks at a photo of her and her sister. I guess I'm just not ready. The photo flutters down out of her hand. I gotta go, Mom. Tell Dad I said Merry Christmas. I love you. Reaching down to the floor of the car to pick up the photo, her lights see the foot of someone in the snow, and she reacts to avoid hitting them. In the heavy snow, she loses control of her vehicle. As she turns the wheel hard, she shouts, Oh, fuck. She comes to a stop and gets out. What the hell? She calls out to a passerby. Hey, did you see a little short guy run through here? The man is holding a large brown sack, and someone calls out after him. Police! That guy just stole our presents. The guy. She's lying. I, uh, fuck you. And he starts to run. She chases after with her gun pulled. Freeze. He trips and falls in the snow. And Sandy tackles him. He says, let me go. I didn't do anything. In the struggle, he looks up at Officer Kim. His eyes focus in on her badge. He has a stark realization. And then we flash back to him driving in a vehicle casually lighting a cigarette. His headlights see someone in the cold, and his cigarette falls out of his mouth. We're back to the present, he says in disbelief. I know you. You're... Officer Kim's not listening. She has him cuffed, her gun still posed. Sandy. Yeah, I bet that you know every cop in the precinct, and I'm sure you know your rights by now, but you have the right to remain silent. We see her hurrying him in the back of her squad car pushing his head down. He says, Ow! Jesus, I'm sorry, okay? Sandy, great. You can tell that to the people you stole from, because we're taking back every one of these presents on the way downtown. She takes his sack of presents and puts them in her trunk. An insect-eye view from the interior of the trunk, looking up at her. She simply says, Loser, and slams the trunk closed, and drives off. 
In the foreground, we see a shadowy, hooded person watching her car speed away. Sandy must have robbed half the neighborhood. Now returning some of the gifts, we see a father holding his daughter in his arms, being given a present. Thank you, officer. You saved my little girl's Christmas. Sandy, standing in the doorway with this thief standing next to her looking dejected. It's my pleasure. Merry Christmas to both of you. She elbows him hard. Uh, Merry Christmas, sir. While walking back to the squad car, he says, That was humiliating. Sandy, yeah? And stealing presents from people on Christmas isn't? He says, no, not being able to afford them is. Now at the front door of another house, this thief holding one of the presents in a little inset panel to let you know it's there. Sandy, last one. You'll thank me later. The thief, does that mean you're not taking me in? Sandy, no. She rings the doorbell. From inside, help me, help me please. Sandy pulls her gun. Don't move. The thief, uh, okay, tell that to this present. A close-up shot of the present. Something is trying to push its way outside of it. The thief, what's in here? Sandy breaks down the front door and enters this building. The interior is completely filled with snow. We see debris, chairs, broken wood sticking out of the snowdrifts on the inside. Sandy, pointing her flashlight. Police! Hello? Is anyone... Jesus, what happened? The police radio. Shots fired at 21 Riverband Lane. Nearest unit report immediately. Backup requested. Up a frozen flight of stairs, we hear a snickering. <laughs> Kim over the radio. 31 here. I'm 448 Bonnie Medan Drive. Possibly 207 in progress. She points her flashlight. She can see two distinct tracks, and running between them, a drag mark. She enters the room and sees a frozen-over fireplace. The room again full of snow, a Christmas tree knocked on its side. Sandy. Oh my god. The thief, still outside the building. Sandy. That mother. Should have known he'd book it. The thief. Holy Susan, help me! She thinks he's running. She exits the building. We see the fluttering of some strange black feathery wings. Susan, stop! We see this thing has talons, and it's swiping at the thief, gouging his skin. He tries to cover himself for protection. He says, Get it off me! Help! Susan aims her weapon. Get down! She fires. Snow and feathers go in all directions. And Rick falls to the ground. Whatever was shot is lying in the snow. But suddenly, it gets up again. Rick screams. Holy shit! Damn it! Rick the thief. What was... Sandy, I don't know. We soon find out. It's some kind of demonic fanged cherub. Another one of the Krampus's elves' sadistic toys. It dives at them to attack and then flies off. Rick, did you see? Sandy, yeah. Shut up and get in the car. Rick, wait a second. That was insane. What the hell was that? Sandy, I don't know, Rick. Get in the car. Rick, no way. I have to check on my family. Something crazy is happening here. They might need me. She repositions his hands and cuffs him. Sandy, you should have thought about that before you broke the law. And so get in and shut up. Rick, whoa, take it easy. I just... Sandy, be quiet and get in the car. I need to think. As Rick gets into the vehicle, he sees someone. Wait, no. Who 
who's this guy? Sandy, what? The car's empty. She closes the door and gets in the driver's seat. She says, Krista, if you know what the hell's going on, please give me a sign. From the back, Rick, who's in here? Officer Kim? Sandy, will you stop? What the hell? And we see in the back of the car is one of Krampus's elves. He's wearing a red hood. He has a wooden mask and two devil-like horns. And it looks like he has a tongue sticking out and a frozen grin. He burps. Rick, he smells like gasoline. See? And it seems like this elf is fiddling around in his robe. Sandy, oh my god. It pulls out a weird thorn-like knife. And it looks like he's going to stab Rick. Rick shouts out. Sandy shouts directions. Out! We see Sandy getting the elf in an arm lock, trying to twist the blade out of his hand. Sandy, who, what are you, and why? This elf just cackles. <laughs> Sandy, great. With all of her might, Sandy throws this elf pretty far from her car. She gets on top of him and pulls her gun out and shoves it in its face. Rick, standing next to Sandy, as she seems to have this thing subdued. Can I sit up front now? Sandy tries to start her vehicle. Click, click, nothing. A look at the fuel gauge indicates the tank is empty. Rick, if I had a wooden mask stuck to my face, maybe I'd probably drink gas too. Sandy, maybe it's a sign. Rick, huh? Sandy, nothing. Keep an eye on him while I get the gas can out of the trunk. Should be enough to get us to the station. This elf in the back burps again, and Rick covers his nose and mouth in disgust. Christ, you smell that? Ought to just have him puke it back up into the tank. Rick looks back at the elf behind the cage, separating the front of the police car and the back. Rick, keep your goofy eyes off me, or I'll pepper spray him out of your face. He searches in the glove compartment for pepper spray. Rick, where's the goddamn pepper spray? Searching the car, he finds the picture of Sandy and her sister Krista. He says her name out loud. Krista. I'm sorry. The two sit silently in the car. Rick looks over at Sandy. Thank you for saving me. I don't deserve your help. Sandy, everyone deserves help. Plus, it's my job. Rick, no, I mean it. You're a good cop. Person, I mean. And I... Sandy, if this ends with you asking me out, I'm gonna throw you in the back with the crazy dwarf. Rick, no, it's not that at all. I'm... What I'm trying to say is I have to... The radio. All units be advised. Break and reported at the Tad Ferguson's house. 412 Wellington Avenue. Sandy. I'm five minutes away, but I've got a full ride. The police dispatch. We'll notify backup. Just step on it because you know how big of a pain in the ass that rich bastard is. Sandy. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Sandy driving the car with the gas presumably she got out of the back. Rick points ahead. Look out! We're seeing the distant headlights. It seems to be a snowman with long stick arms with three claws on each one. It has a sinister look on its face. Snowman face. Rick also sees something in the wintry night. The silhouette of Krista, the woman that he struck and killed with his car. The squad car slams into the evil snowman. We see its smiling, toothy face fly up and over the car. The snow was dense enough to halt the vehicle almost entirely and the pair lunge forward. Sandy, slowly coming to. Was that your sign? 
She rubs her head while Rick asks, You okay? Sandy, no. Yeah, I mean, I'll go dig us out. Sandy's car also has a little shovel in it. This police car is very well stocked. From the car, Rick, You sure you don't need help? Sandy, unless you want to dig with your hands. Rick, honestly, I'd prefer that to being in here with him. Sandy, digging into the snow. Shut up and babysit. The radio in Rick's hand. ETA on Ferguson's house, Kim? Rick says idly. Hopefully never. Guy deserves to get robbed. Sandy, making my way, dispatch. But the streets are a bitch. Suddenly, Sandy hears a snap of a twig. She turns. No. And from seemingly out of nowhere, an entire half dozen of these elves is running towards her car, each one of them brandishing a knife or an axe any sort of sharp little object. She aims her pistol. Stay back! She fires her gun, hitting one in the head. When the bullet strikes the elf, it's almost as if wood and straw splinter off of its face. Two of the elves run away. They jump on the car, one of them smashing through the back, clearly trying to rescue their arrested brother. Sandy now in trouble. An elf grabbed around her shoulders with a knife to her throat. Another by her waist. A third still grabbing onto her leg, trying to hold her still, with two more elves running towards her. They wrestle Sandy to the ground. She shouts, No! An inset panel. One of the elves, with a frozen wooden grin, tries to pull a knife on her. But suddenly, from the back, his shoulder and arm is blown apart by a shotgun. Kaboom! It's Rick. Sandy shouts, Keep shooting! Rick, I'm trying! The gun's frozen! Rick cracks one of the elves in the face with the butt of his shotgun, and now all the elves are running away in fear, Rick standing there aiming his useless weapon. I mean, this gun's loaded, so you better fucking run. The two now standing alone in the cold. Sandy, I deserve this, don't I? She looks down at the destroyed evil snowman she hit with her car. This is some kind of punishment, isn't it? Rick, Officer Kim, the dispatch, all officers report, static. Needed at station, static. Under attack. I repeat, under a... The dispatcher screams, and the radio cuts out. Rick says, Officer Kim, we have to go. Sandy, I'm not leaving. Rick, what? That's crazy. We have to get out of here. Sandy, looking down at her radio. I'm not crazy, and I'm not leaving. I'm supposed to be here. It should have... Rick tries to pull her up by the arm. Rick... Get up! What's wrong with you? Sandy and Rick now standing facing each other. I think this might all be my fault. Rick. No. Believe me. It's not your fault. Sandy. It is. It should have been me, not Krista that night. My sister died 12 years ago tonight. Hit and run. No witnesses or suspects or anything. It should have been me. Rick. What are you talking about? We pan out into the night. The two standing there now just in silhouette next to the squad car. Sandy. The day she died, I ditched our family Christmas dinner to go to a party with my friends, but I got too drunk to drive home. So, I called her to come get me, and I made her sneak out and walk through a blizzard just so my parents wouldn't find out. She should have told me to screw myself, Sandy turning away, crying, holding her face. But she didn't, and now she's gone, and I'm paying for it, to put things right, to even things out. Sandy sobs by herself. Rick, you're right. 
but it's not you that needs to even things out. It's me, Sandy. Sandy, what are you talking about? And how do you know my first name? Rick. Because I... I'm the one who hit her. Sandy, in one depth move, snatches the gun out of his hand. Rick. Sandy, wait! Sandy, shouting, you son of a bitch! And she cracks him across the jaw, blood spewing out of his mouth. He falls to the ground. Sandy, aiming the shotgun. Get on your knees. Rick, spitting blood into his hand. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't know what I can say. Sandy, grabbing him by the back of the jacket, she shoves the shotgun barrel into the back of his head. You better tell me you're lying. Rick, I wish I was. She cracks him again with the butt of the shotgun. Now, standing over him, she kicks him in the stomach. You coward. She pulls him up again. Did you even check if she was okay? Rick, it was too late. I'm sorry. We see Rick getting pulled to a sign that says Christmas tree is for sale. She handcuffs his hands around it. Rick, please, take me into the station and I'll confess. I'm so sorry. Sandy, I'm not taking you anywhere. She stands up defiantly. I'm leaving you. Sandy, getting into the car, she pulls away. She looks back one last time. We see his silhouette vanishing in the snow of her side mirror. She drives on ahead. We finally found him, Krista. Now you can rest. We're back with Rick as he watches the squad car pull away. A close-up of his face. Tears streaming out of his eyes. Biting his lip, he simply says, Please forgive me. Inset panel. The squad car driving at night. The blizzard is still raging on. We see the interior of the car, Sandy, crying as she looks forward. She drives down the empty streets of the town. She looks at a group of these sinister snowmen with spiky sticks sticking out of their bodies, menacing a nearby house as she drives by. She says, But why isn't anything changing? It's all still... She looks to the passenger seat, empty. This isn't what you wanted. She slams her fist down on the steering wheel. Damn it! And we see an overhead shot of the car, making a swift U-turn. She drives back, back to where she came, back to the Christmas tree sign. She gets out of the squad car and aims her flashlight. Police! Who's there? The light catches numerous masks of elves, and even worse, an entire horde of these snowmen. Too many to count as they start to encircle her. She sees off in the distance a strange silhouette of a person walking. It doesn't look too dissimilar to the silhouette of Sandy's sister Krista that Rick saw. We now see a group shot of the elves. The lead elf has a bloody knife and he's surrounded by evil toys, deadly nutcrackers, sinister teddy bears, malfunctioning murderous robots. Sandy pumps her shotgun and blows the head away of a snowman. Another shot. She knocks one of the toy bears aside. She pumps her gun again, firing off out of rounds. Sandy reaching into her jacket. Not done yet. She pulls out her pistol. A series of four rapid panels. Blam! Destroys a robot. Blam! Destroys an evil doll cherub. Blam! Shoots a nutcracker right in the mouth. Three more shots. Taking out three more elves. Two getting shot center mass in the chest. One. Boom. Headshot. More elves start to head towards her. She aims her pistol. Click. Out of bullets. She produces from her jacket. 
a road flare. Hey, you like drinking gasoline, huh? She lights the flare. Here's dessert. She throws the flare, landing right by the same elf that had drank all her gasoline, just as it burps. Katoom! The entire area is engulfed in flames. We see the burning bodies of these elves flying in all directions. Smoldering embers of evil toys and elves land on Sandy. She squints her eyes at the light. Jesus. Suddenly, when the fire dies, she looks into the blistering cold and she sees the silhouette of Rick. She calls out to him. Rick! We see him right where he was left, handcuffed to the Christmas trees for sale sign. But she puts her hand to her mouth in horror, and we see a close-up of Rick's face. He's succumbed to the cold, frozen, solid, icicles forming down his face, the tears in his eyes, shiny icicles themselves now, his eyes glossed over. She kneels down to his frozen corpse and hugs him. I'm so sorry, Rick. She sees in his hand tag. She pulls it free of his grip. Wait, I know this writing. The tag reads, Merry Christmas. I'm sorry I didn't tell you sooner. You deserve better. We now see Sandy Kim back at her sister's grave. She had to be sure. She kneels down to where the poinsettia was left, where the last tag was left. She says, holding both of the tags, I'm sorry, sis. Losing you hurts so much. But I didn't mean to. I hope you can forgive me. And we can see both tags clearly now. They are indeed a match. Rick was the one leaving the letters. She says, And Rick, too. We see Sandy now, lying down, partially fetal position, over her sister's grave. He's right. You deserved better. And we see four panels. Sandy, lying on the grave. We pan out. She's more covered in snow. We pan out again. She's even more obscured by the snow. And in this last panel, she is completely covered, buried. The last page, a gorgeous splash, looks almost like a Norman Rockwell Christmas card. It is the grave of Krista Kim, the body of her sister, lying under the snow, a full moon in the background, and the evil sleigh of the Krampus passing overhead in silhouette. End. Book three. Just as a bit of a warning, this is kind of a weird one. Even though that we are talking about a town sieged by the Krampus and his evil elves, even for a story like that, this one takes some twists and turns. Establishing shot. A large house under construction. The same night that all of this madness has been going on. A sign outside the house says, Tad Ferguson, construction. Remember, Tad Ferguson was the rich person who called in a break-in at his house in the last story. We have a group shot of a bunch of squatters, and they actually have taken the liberty to have some handy-dandy name tags for everybody. We have Shawnee and Tiffany, Noel, Louie, Mary Lou, and Bill. They're of all ages, couple of kids. Shawnee and Louie look pretty young. Noelle and Bill, African Americans. Tiffany seems to be a white girl, blonde, 30s or 40s maybe. Mary Lou in silhouette. 
I'll try to keep everyone's names straight. There's a lot of characters in this story. Shawnee. If we're having Christmas now, then when's Santa coming? Tiffany. Santa will still come in two days for real Christmas, but he won't mind us celebrating now since it's the last night we have with all of our friends. Mary Lou. Marlon used to make beans like this when we would go camping in the Catskills. That was after last tango in Paris, of course. Louis. I'll bet. Bill. Pff, camping. The thought of having to start sleeping outside again just pisses me right off. Noel, Get the sand out of your crack, Bill. Let's make our last night fun. Shawnee. Why do we have to find a new place to live? Why can't we stay here with our friends? Tiffany. Because this house is old. We were borrowing it for a while. But now someone needs to knock it down and build a new one. Mary Lou. Older lady. Big hair. She's hanging a Christmas ornament on a little Charlie Brown Christmas tree they got in the background. While Bill drinks a bottle of wine. Wine seems to be a really popular drink in this town. Mary Lou. Bill says, This house is just fine. But that Tad Ferguson bastard has to build another macho mart to keep his 20-year-old gold digger swimming in diamonds. Mary Lou. Marlon always favored gold. Bill. A real woman like you doesn't need to hide behind diamonds or gold, Mary Lou. Noelle, leading down to Shawnee. Let's not talk about it now. I'm just happy to have a family to spend Christmas with. Shawnee lifts up a gift that was on the floor. My present is shaking. Is it a hamster? Bill and Mary Lou look out the window ominously. Mary Lou. The whole house is shaking. Could be an earthquake. Bill. It's not an earthquake. Seems to be a team of construction workers outside. Bill bursts through the door. Clear off, you bastards. We got till sunup tomorrow. And when you come back, you better bring some more guys. Because Silky Bill lies down for no man. He's like charging at them. Two police officers who are with the construction workers are waiting. A male police officer puts his hands up. Easy, Bill. We don't want this any more than you do. Me and Officer Medina have been looking the other way for two months, and you guys haven't stirred up any trouble. Officer Medina. But the ever-charitable Tad Ferguson moved up the demolition to jumpstart his vacation to the Bahamas. Tiffany, Shawnee, and Louie, all in a panel together. Tiffany. So you're just gonna throw us to the streets? What about our stuff? Shawnee. I don't want to go to jail. Louie. Don't worry, Mom. They're not getting through me. One of the uh, construction workers. Your stuff, lady? It ain't even your house. You're lucky we don't have you hauled in for trespassing. Bill charges the men again. Mary Lou shouts back, Bill, no! Bill, time to dance two-step. That old construction worker cracks Bill right across the jaw, smirking as Officer Medina tries to break them up. He says, Arrest him! He assaulted me! Officer Medina, she says, you punched out a 65-year-old drunk man. How about you give us some space to clear these folks out, and we call it a day. Tiffany holding her daughter, Shawnee. Don't worry, honey. Bill's a tough customer. He'll be okay. Officer Medina. Do you need a ride to the shelter? Tiffany. Thanks, but no. We tried that. The kids got lice, and I woke up to a naked man peeing on my suitcase. We'll make our own way. Our group of squatters has left the house into the night, into the cold. They all look back. I think it might be Louie that's saying this. It's hard to tell with the silhouettes. 
This is the only place I've ever felt safe. And just like that, it's gone. And sure enough, the construction crew has made short work of it, and it is just a pile of sticks and rubble. Shawnee crying, clinging to her mother, looks back at the silhouette of Bill as he walks away. Bill, don't leave us. We still have to have Christmas together. Bill, sorry kid, but we'll have better luck splitting up. Too many of us to hide out in one place. Shawnee grabs Bill by the jacket. But how will Santa know where to find us? Bill looking down at Shawnee. All right, all right. I think I know a place. The group walk out into the neighborhood. Bill, I don't think Tad Jerkinson will mind if we swap houses with him while he's on his Bahama getaway. Tiffany, works for me, but how will we get in there? Bill now grinning wide, holding a screwdriver. It's Christmas. The spirit of giving is everywhere. I'm sure we can manage something. They pile into a stolen van, and Bill uses a screwdriver to start the engine. Tiffany driving. Mary Lou and the others in the back. Bill is next to her. Bill. Could have driven. Tiffany. I know, I know. It's just... It's getting dark. And I know you're having trouble with your night vision and... Mary Lou. You smell like a bar mop, Bill. Quiet, woman. You see the van pull away. And we see, in this panel, Rick and Sandy just at the moment where they first encountered each other, where Rick was running away. And we see a callback. Police! That guy just stole our presents! And Rick saying, She's lying! Uh, fuck you! And now we're back. A long, lonesome road. And the white van driving up towards a large mansion of Tad Ferguson on the hill. They knock over his mailbox. 412 Ferguson. Tiffany. Whoops. Bill. Told you I should have driven. Mary Lou, pressing herself up against the glass of the van, looks at this huge mansion. Lewis off panel. It's fucking huge. Tiffany. Mouth Lewis. Watch it. Mary Lou. Marlon had better taste in houses. Now we see Louie crouching at the door, picking it with two bits of wire. Bill giving instructions. Then you, then you twist a little to the left and pull. 30 seconds to flip the alarm. Noel, Bill, are you seriously teaching a 13-year-old to pick locks? The door swings open into a stately manner. We can see a really large crystal chandelier hanging over the doorway. And the silhouettes of our would-be intruders. And one of them says, Merry Christmas. Louie. Holy shit, this asshole's got two staircases. Tiffany, language, Lewis. I'm not going to tell you again. And here we have a nice little montage. Lewis having a bath while Tiffany helps wash her son. Mary Lou putting on lots of makeup. Louie watching TV. Bill in the wine cellar, just a big old grin on his face. And Noelle and Tiffany cooking food in the kitchen. And we see now Bill and Mary Lou dressed to the nines in what would be the finest clothes in this place. Jewelry, sipping champagne. Bill says with a big smile on his face, that Ferguson's pants leave no room for imagination. But he's got great taste in wine. Mary Lou with sparkling gold hoop earrings interrupts. Did I ever tell you about the time Marlon... Bill, don't interrupt me when I'm talking about wine, Mary Lou. Everyone at the dinner table looks shocked. There's a, they have a nice turkey on the table. Louie's in a suit and he's got his red ball cap off. And 
Yeah, everyone's completely dressed out. Oh, the only one that's still sticking to her style is Noelle. I like it. She's got this punk rock look that's really cool. Noelle says, Wow, you guys look amazing. Bill, so does that food. Let's eat. And it's cool because they what they've done here is Mary Lou and Bill are being seen in a reflection behind everybody, but everyone's looking forward towards the camera. Very, very nice bit of artwork. We got Louie leaning down eating a turkey leg. Beats the crap out of canned beans, Bill. I'll beat the crap out of your canned beans, Chinaman. Louie, what does that even mean? I'm not even Chinese. Bill, I'm 50% wine, 100% man. Skirt stain, don't question me. Mary Lou, relax, Bill, it's Christmas. Bill, grinning. Sorry, Mary Lou, you're right. I'm happy. Mary Lou, and I'm happy too. I haven't worn a necklace this nice since Marlon rewarded me for letting him do the unnatural to me. Shawnee, leaning up from the table. What's the unnatural? Can I get jewelry for doing it too? Everyone looking at her shocked. Noelle says, Uh, I don't think that's dinner talk, honey. Tiffany, putting her hands together in prayer, says, Let's all say what we're thankful for instead. I can just start with how thankful I feel to have you all here in this beautiful home. Even if we are, boom. Everyone's shocked as the doorway opens and a silhouette of a stranger is here. And he says, You have got to be kidding me, Shawnee. Merry Christmas, Mr. Ferguson. A close-up shot of Tad Ferguson, old and miserly. Well, he's not that old, but this artwork really makes him look all gnarled and shit. Merry Christmas? You're, you're in my house. We see him walking forward with two briefcases. You're in my house. You're in my fucking house, Bill. He seemed nice. They're all getting up to leave, and Bill grins. Tiffany, this food looks delicious. I'm taking it with me. Tiffany, kids, leave your food. It's time to go. Tad Ferguson comes back, this time with a gun. Don't go. I'd hate to see all my food and wine go to waste. I'm so glad to see you've helped yourself. Tad Ferguson now pointing the gun at Bill. Shawnee, your clothes too. Bill and Mary Lou borrowed some clothes so they look nice for Christmas din. <laughs> Bill looks shocked with a utensil in his mouth. Tad Ferguson aims the gun. He almost looks like Two-Face in this shot. One big saucer eye and a big toothy grin. And then the, the rest of the other side of his face in shadow. That's right, young lady. They do look nice. And you know what? A panel of Tad dialing a phone. Oh, wall phone. I'm going to invite some friends over and we'll have the most wonderful party together. Mary Lou. I love a good party. Will there be any young men? I love a good party. Will there be any young men? Ever since Marlon left, I... Tad, you shut up, you goofy bitch! Bill goes to run. Tad aims his pistol and fires. Don't fucking move or I'll... Boom! Tad, looking positively demonic with this lighting and camera angle, his hair flowing out in all directions. He grins as he speaks into the phone. Hello, police? Yes, this is Tad Ferguson. I'd like to report a break-in. We now have a group tied together in a circle, sitting on the floor. Tad, keeping his gun aimed at them. You can keep the clothes. I'd rather burn them than see them on my family again. Shawnee. Mom, I'm hungry. 
Tad. Well, you should ask Santa for a better mother this year. Then maybe you won't turn into another leech sucking money from hard-working Americans like myself. Tiffany, shut up! Shawnee, yeah, you monster. Tad, going to walk away. Nice. I'll be downstairs enjoying a lovely meal if you... Same panel? The lights are now out. Tad, a power outage? God damn it if Christmas wasn't bad enough already. Bah humbug is an understatement. We now see Tad sitting in a chair next to a roaring fire that's lighting the room. He's shouting up to the second floor. I better not hear any funny business up there. I got some bird shot ready for whoever wants it. Tad looking out the window. He sees a bunch of very small, very creepy, robed individuals scampering up to the house. Tad, police my dick. Looks like Sheriff Halmer just lost next year's campaign funding. Somebody says softly from the tied-up group. Look at those fucking things. Goddamn amateur hour out there. Oh, it was Bill. Noel turns to him. What did you say? We see an exterior of the house. A bunch of tied-up, frozen people are out there. Bill says, I said Tad's kids can't build snowman for shit. Put your ears on, girl. What follows is a sequence that's a little hard to follow, but I'll do my best to describe it. We see the silhouette of Tad asleep, and a very large, wooden hand reach down, gently picking up a shotgun that Tad was holding, or leaning up against his body. This is like a toy soldier like you'd seen in the Nutcracker Prince. It gives a salute with a shotgun by its side, and a very large, sinister teddy bear with big white eyes and a toothy grin puts a very razor-sharp paw around the soldier's arm. It's hard to say exactly what happens here. Either the toy soldier falls backwards and accidentally the shotgun goes off, or this weird bear shoves it and fires the shotgun. But at any rate, the toy soldier is killed, and the shotgun blast rings out through the house. Tad wakes up. Whoa, what, what are you? Noel. Did he just shoot someone? Bill, I hope it was himself. We see Tad sitting up in the chair, and now this teddy bear is towering tall. It's ten feet tall at least, filling the entire room. It has a wild, demonic-looking face, and Tad says, Stop! Holy shit! Wake up, Tad! Wake up! He bolts out of the room. Make them stop! He turns a corner, and he sees some people tied up, spider webs around them, long claws hanging upside down and he screams tiffany listening whoever it is they got him shawnee does that mean they're gonna come get us bill no way silky bill isn't gonna go down as easy as that soft batch yuppie i can promise you that and we can see the bear and more toys starting to pile on top of tad stay away from me the front door of the mansion bursts open and it's our old friends the elves they have a huge sack in their arm. Bill puts out his hand to try to stop them from coming any closer. Dear God. And then he screams. Tiffany. Oh, whoops. I was wrong before. Now they got him. Bill. Tell they I owe him a drink. Tiffany. You can tell them yourself. I think they're at the door. We can see Louis struggling with his binds and he pulls out a small pocket knife. They manage to all cut themselves free before the elves enter the room and Bill with some kind of an implement in his hand. Oh, it's a bottle. Nice one, Louie. 
Now let's show these fuckers what we're made of, Tiffany. Don't encourage him, Bill. And Lewis Catterson, where did you get that knife, Louie? I stole it from Tad Nerdison. We see Bill now standing there with his bottle, looking down at one of the elves. Sweet Jesus, what the hell are you? The elf reaches out to take his bottle. Hey, he's after my friggin' booze! Bill and the elf struggles. Are you psycho? Just let him have it, Bill. Not happening. There's three things Silky Bill doesn't share, and that's a lady's bed, a man's toothbrush, and Silky Bill's booze. The elf manages to snatch the booze and runs off with it. Bill, son of a... An exterior shot. Tad Ferguson wrapped up in a huge sack. Will the elves carry him away from the house? Shawnee. Mom, they got a bag full of presents. Tiffany. I don't think those are presents. Now we see a huge pile of all of those brown sacks that we've been seeing the elves carrying around the story. And from it emerges a hand. Tad's hand. He pulls himself weakly from the sack. But now... He's not wearing any clothes, only some tidy whities Shivering in the cold, he walks forward, his knees close together. Hello? And we can see that there's nothing but frozen bodies coming out of these bags. Tad holds his face. They're frozen alive! He immediately tries to escape, and he comes across the toy factory. Same one that we saw in the very first story at the Macho Mart. Tad. Oh my god! This time we can see a different angle of it. We can see that there's a huge green cistern of some kind. And on top of it, a conveyor belt and a bunch of elves just throwing humans into the mix. And from the bottom is spewing out a bunch of evil teddy bears. Bill running through the cold trying to get away. But he can hear the music of a jack-in-the-box. He reaches out to silence it. Easy, fella. Just take it easy. Then boom, the jack-in-the-box explodes. And this is actually a reference to... A lot of these toys have been referenced in the Michael Daughtry film Krampus, but this one was actually pretty noteworthy because it's the big jack-in-the-box that actually swallows children whole. Tad says, nope, that's not it. And this jack-in-the-box grabs the top of Tad's head, biting down, swallowing him whole, until there's just a leg dangling out. And then we see an inset panel of one of the elves pointing giving this jack-in-the-box directions. And this jack-in-the-box spews Tad out like a bullet, and he lands right into that big green drum. He lands inside this fluid, and he reaches out. He's now almost glowing with this irradiated green sludge that is covering his body completely, and he shouts, Help me! Before he sinks below the surface. There. In this green fluid, he begins to come apart. And then all of a sudden, through his mind's eye, he's someplace else. Still nude, being held on either side by elves, he says, What? This is where I grew up. What am I doing here? We see these elves now pointing to a trailer with the lights on. We see a young Tad Ferguson with a big smile on his face, putting together his little Charlie Brown Christmas tree. In the background, we see a little toy robot. The old adult Tad looks on fondly. I remember this. I was going to surprise my mom for Christmas. Look how happy I was. Then all of a sudden, people are arriving. His mother. Ha <laughs> ha! Not yet, Hot Rod. It's too cold out here. Tad. Hey, get away from my mother. Tad. Hey, stop! Can't you hear me? 
and we see Tad's mother is with, I don't know if it's a, it's a boyfriend for sure. He's disgusting. He's just, uh, if you could think of some kind of stereotypical redneck bully, alcoholic, 10 o'clock shadow, trucker cap. This is kind of the guy that we're looking at here. Little baby boy Tad says, Merry Christmas Eve, Mama. His mother drunkenly points to him. Merry Christmas Eve. I told you I was bringing a date home. Why aren't you in your room? I'm sorry, Mama. I wanted to decorate the... His mother's date smacks little Tad across the face. And we see his little toy robot goes flying, too. This drunken man shouts into the little boy's face, Don't interrupt your mother, boy. And then he steps on the robot, smashing it. The adult Tad, looking on, is crying. I... I don't want to see this anymore. Please. We see Tad walking towards a snowman. Everything is black, except... The snowman is almost emitting light itself, and he reaches out to it to take Tad's hand. Get me out of here! And now we see the snowman has taken Tad someplace. They're riding on a giant snowflake. Tad, still in his tidy whities is trying to keep his balance. This isn't what I meant! Caption. Alabama. One year ago. We see the exterior shot of a church. A church that Noel was a member of. We see her father sermonizing. Tomorrow is Christmas, but today we're talking about an infection. And I know y'all know what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the sinners. I'm talking about men who lay with men and women who lay with women. Close-up shot of Noelle. She's crying while listening to this. My own daughter Noelle caught in the devil's web taken from the Lord and the righteous path. Noel can't stand anymore, and she bursts out of the church, running out into the cold, the congregation behind her. Amen. And now we see a younger Bill. Caption, Harmton Town, Ohio, 35 years ago. Bill, clearly a boxer. But I really need the money, Frank. He's got a... Uh, Frank is some kind of manager. Looks like Mick from the Rocky franchise. I'm sorry, Bill. This is the end of the road. They're not giving us any more chances after this. And we see Bill walking towards his door with an eviction notice. We see the snowman now with Tad riding on that snowflake, looking at a lonely Bill surrounded by wine bottles. Tad says, I get it. They had it hard too. Just let me out of here. We see Bill reading a letter. I told you it was the last time. Don't try to find us. Merry Christmas. Simone and the kids. We flash back again, this time to Mary Lou. Young, beautiful. Caption, Sunnyview, Ohio, 30 years ago. Mary Lou, oh, that must be for me. I knew I'd get a present this year. Oh, Marlon. But upon closer inspection. Wait, so nothing's come for me? The delivery man. I'm sorry, Mary Lou. Maybe next year. Now the snowman, riding on the snowflake with Tad, comes to the Catterson home. One year ago. We see Tiffany pressed up against a wall while a man shouts at her. You take all year. Why should I give you a damn thing today? Louie coming up on his father. Let her go, Dad. His father smacks Louie across the face. Shut up, Louis. Tad, I can't see anymore. Please, take me out of here. But then the snowman shows him all of these misfits, all of these people who found each other and joined themselves together. It was the first shot we saw of these characters at the beginning of the third story. And now we see the home they were in, destroyed by...
by Tad Ferguson's construction crew and everyone standing alone in the cold. Tad, I've seen enough, Tad to the snowman. I get it. We've all had it tough. At least I overcame and made something for myself. The snowman wilts at this, wilts and melts. Its hat and carrot nose fall off of its face. The coals for a smile and eyes fall away, and it starts to look skull-like, and it shoots out a terrifying yell. Tad screams in terror, and then he's shown a vision of the Krampus himself. This time the odd has rendered him even more terrifying than ever. He looks a minimum of 10 to 12 feet tall, his horns even longer, his fingers more cruel and gnarled than before, and the chains that dangled lamely around his body the first time we saw him. Now, fly out in all directions and start to tangle around Tad's body, its eyes now red and a steady flow of steam from a shadowy mouth we can't see. Tad, I take it back! I take it back! I understand! The chains wrap tight against both of his wrists, and that holds him down, and he's crawling towards his own grave, a modest tombstone that simply says Tad Ferguson. Tad, this can't be my headstone I wanted. Off panel, marble, 20 feet tall with gold lettering. In the foreground, a laughing couple. In the background, Tad, tangled in chains. He shouts, Hey, asshole, get your hands off my wife, Tad's wife. But I figured, what will he care? He's dead. And that's a down payment on a house in the Bahamas for me and my cutesy wootsy. Her cutesy wootsy says, Ha ha ha, wait, that's me, right? Tad's wife, yes, sweetheart, that's you. Tad points, you two-timing ungrateful bit. He stops, and then he just cries as this new couple walks away. His wife says, Anyway, I figured I might as well pay my respects. No one else is going to. And we see in Tad's hand, he's still holding the small toy robot. All of a sudden, Tad is flowing in that same green goo, but now it's blue, and he just lamely says, Take me back, the elf that was in the previous story, tongue out, pointing an accusing, mocking finger at him. As he repeats, Take me back. We see a TV monitor with no picture, and then the picture suddenly turns on, and on it is the very same robot. The robot speaks. Take me... What? We now see this little robot, free of the television screen. What have you done to me? He looks at his reflection in the monitor. I'm... His reflection is of him as a little boy. My robot. We see the shock overwhelm him as we see the image of him as a little boy on the TV monitor turn to a frozen corpse. Cut to Macho Mart, December 24th, where our first story began. And if you remember, all of a sudden when the toys were attacking Audrey and Steve and the kids, they all malfunctioned suddenly. Well, this explains it. We see an image of the toy robot at its center, the young face of Tad, and then on the other side, morphing into the hideous, fearsome robot we saw at the first story. And that's where Tad's consciousness is, as we see one of the children in the hockey gear running for his life, and he shouts, Audrey, help me! Tad the robot, come on, Tad, you have to. Audrey, reaching out her hand, Marlo! Tad the robot, take control! Tad the robot now, exploding in that big field of electricity, which shorts out all the toys. 
And Tad the Robot says, Merry Christmas, fuckers. And as Tad the Robot and all the other toys lie broken on the ground, Audrey and the kids saved. He says, <laughs> You did it, Tad. You saved Christmas. And then two elves, one with a giant hammer, walk towards him. Another one of the elves has his finger to his lips as if to shush Tad. They level the hammer at his head, and Tad realizes what they're about to do. Wait, stop. Uh, aren't you going to turn me back? I did good. I... And with one mighty swing, the elf smashes the robot Tad's head, destroying it. And in a little inset panel, we see the hammer lying on the ground next to a lone screw. End. Book Four. It's now the day. It's snowing lightly, but the storm is past. We see a young family playing in the snow, throwing snowballs around a snowman. Tad Ferguson, in his underwear, holding a toy robot, walking through the snow. Caption, Christmas morning. Tad looks at the family. They look back. The mother shields their daughter's eyes. The husband. Uh, honey? The wife. Close your eyes, kids. Tad, with a big smile, waves in an exaggerated fashion. Merry Christmas! They all say together, Merry Christmas! Softly, the father. Everyone get inside. Tad. Beautiful day! Just beautiful! We see the interior of a crashed car, one that hit a pole in the Macho Mart parking lot. It's our old friend, the mall Santa Claus, waking up with one hell of a hangover. Ugh, what the hell happened last night? He touches a side, where there is no wound. Phew, the stabbing midgets weren't real. He reaches for his keys, which aren't there. Shit. He looks at the bottle of wine. Eh, Better get started. But the bottle is empty. Inside are his car keys. And on a keychain is a strange jingle bell. He shakes it. Jingle, jingle. What the? He smashes the bottle. He holds up the bell to his eyes. We can see it says Krampus. He reads it. Gruss von Krampus? Santa taking a car that's attached to a sleigh. A giant sleigh full of presents. It was on the interior of the mall. Santa driving the sleigh. Hope these boxes aren't empty, because I was too lazy to check. He stops in the middle of the road, standing in front of him, still holding the robot, a nearly nude Tad Ferguson. Santa, you gotta be kidding me. Tad Ferguson? Tad in disbelief. Santa? Santa. Yeah, and if you find yourself some pants, you found yourself a ride. Establishing shot. The cemetery, we see the same sad angel, and waking up on the grave of her sister, Sandy. She's leaning against the tombstone. Krista? She looks down at the poinsettia with the tag. Oh no. Holding the tag, she looks over. Rick! She gets into her squad car and peels out of the cemetery, driving to the Christmas tree farm. She gets out and runs to where she had handcuffed Rick, but he's not there. All she finds lying in the snow is a bell that says Krampus. A voice off panel, 
Can I help you, officer? An elderly man approaches with a cane. Doing some last-minute tree shopping? She looks at the bell. I think I'm a little too late, the old man. It's never too late for Christmas, you know. She smiles. Yeah, I guess not. She drives away. Now, with a big tree on top of her car. She speaks into the radio. Dispatch? Can I get the address for a Rick Lamera? Sandy. What the? If today couldn't get any weirder. Sandy. She points to a screen. An alarm's going off. We see the sleigh with lots of children running towards it. Santa driving. Tad Ferguson, still nude in the back of the sleigh, along with Audrey and Steve. They're all cheerfully throwing gifts to children. Steve. Audrey, I'm really happy I still have all my fingers. Audrey. So you keep saying, Merry Christmas, kids. Sandy gets out of her squad car and looks at the group. What's going on here? You're blocking the whole goddamn street. Tad, throwing a present towards her. Don't be a bah humbugger. It's Christmas. She looks at the present in her hand. The children say, Yeah, don't be a bah humbugger. She smiles. Well, this is almost strange enough to make me feel okay about how I woke up. Santa gives her the wink and the gun while he has his arm around a kid. Tell me about it, the kid. You're hurting me. Sandy drives away, waving as she goes. You all have a Merry Christmas. Sandy makes her way to a broken down trailer home. We see the interior. Rick. He's got four children and a wife. They're looking at a sad Christmas tree. They're huddled around each other for warmth. His son. It's freezing, Dad. Rick. I know. I'm sorry, guys. Squeezing closer. We'll keep each other warm. You see Rick passing out four candy canes to his children. And I know it's not much, but times are tough. I think even Santa had to cut back this year. I'm really sorry, guys. There's a knock at the door. At the door is Sandy. She's got a stack of presents. She just says, Hey, Rick. Rick looks over. Uh, Officer Kim, I... She says, Okay, so... Something weird happened to me last night. By the looks of what's going on out in the streets, I'm not alone in that. So, uh, maybe you had the same dream? But either way, she hands him the stack of presents. From Krista and I both. On top of the pile of presents is the tag that he wrote. Merry Christmas. If I could take your place, I would. You deserve better. Rick. Thanks, Officer Kim. You know I really need to say... Sandy. It's okay. I know. Merry Christmas, Rick. We're now back at the abandoned home that Tad Ferguson was about to have demolished. Dirty, empty dishes. Along the fire. Simple, dirty white socks for stockings. We see Bill and Mary Lou huddled together at a modest fire. Old Tiffany, Shawnee... Louis and Noel are asleep. We hear from outside, Merry Christmas! We see Tad Ferguson with a huge pile of presents. He's still not wearing any clothes, but he did manage to find a elf hat. Everyone looks alarmed. Bill shouts, Scatter! And everyone goes to run simultaneously. Tad shouts towards them, Don't go! I brought presents! They stop, and Bill says, Presents? You mean you're not going to call the cops? Tad leans forward and hands a gift to Shoney. No, sir. Just the opposite. I was all hoping you'd all join me for Christmas. They all look at each other, confused. Bill says, Worst case scenario, I'd drop him and we run. Tad hands the robot he was carrying to Louie. There's plenty of room for all of you to stay here. Tiffany hugs her children. 
Really? All of us? Tad hugs Tiffany and Bill. Yep, even Slinky William here. Bill points to him with a bottle and a tear in his eye. You can call me Bill, friend. From off-panel, Shoney. Hey, Mr. Ferguson. A tight shot of her dropping something into his hand. Santa gave me this. You can have it. Thanks, little lady. We see Ferguson holding the Krampus bell, smiling at it. Shoney. Merry Christmas, Mr. Ferguson. End. And that just about does it. Just, a uh, issue four was really just a denouement for the entire chapter. So you have sat with me this entire time, listened to me read you this story. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. At the beginning, it's not entirely clear why the Krampus is attacking. In Michael Daughtry's fiction, it's when someone is really disillusioned or doesn't believe in the true meaning of Christmas that the Krampus will come visit you. And that's not too different from his idea of people dying on Halloween when they disregard the rules of Halloween and Sam will come and get you and he'll leave you alone if you if you have a costume and hand out candy and don't turn out your jack-o'-lanterns, that kind of stuff. I think what horror can do really well is distill these concepts, these myths and these traditions down to their purest form and shoot it through a prism that a lot of people can get uncomfortable with, the sentimentality of Christmas. But I think the story really does a good job of getting away with it. You get to have your Christmas carol, you get to have your miserly old rich guy turn over a new leaf, but also you get to really look at a bunch of different kinds of people and what the holidays mean to them. You have a war veteran with PTSD. The only thing he can be is a mall Santa and he's an alcoholic. You have people who are homeless. You have broken families. You have rage and forgiveness. You have all of these themes working around Christmas. And I think that it's really important to show that despite the fact that the world sucks, despite the fact that everything in your life can be going so wrong, it never hurts to just give in to positivity and love even if it feels contrived to you so that's all i really have to say about that also before i forget i'd like to thank mayuji who has graciously allowed me to use the haunting piano rendition of carol of the bells that was part of this intro the last thing i want to say is no matter how you celebrate the holiday season, whether you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, or you don't celebrate at all because you don't really feel the need for any sort of celebration of this time of year, I'm always touched that you have decided to spend your time with me. You know, I started this podcast back in early 2017, and it started off as a really weird idea. I just had this notion really late at night that I tend to do that I want to read comic books and I want to read horror comic books and and I, what, what do I do with this urge to do something and so I go to my closest friends or I reach out to random people on the internet and Chris Begarin whipped up art and my friend Matt Burnett helped me come up with the name of the podcast and I reached out to a random guy on YouTube Rick Hunter who provided the intro and outro music for the show and a couple of days later, we had our first episode of Panels of Blood. And over this time, you guys have really jumped in and 
let it be known that you really like the show. And believe me, every like, every comment, every time you show me a picture of comic books that you bought because I was reading them, it just means the world to me. So from the bottom of my heart to all the people that I just named, to people that I haven't named that were really supportive early on, my mother, of course, who I even tried to wrangle to do the intro for me. It wasn't quite working, but she still was game and and she came over and, you know, we tried to work it out, but it didn't work. And I felt so bad for wasting her time, but she's known me long enough that knows when I'm doing my projects, uh, things can happen like that. So just so you guys know, this is going to be the last episode of 2017. So whatever you got left of the year, just make the most of it. And, you know, I see a lot on the internet. 2017 has been a pretty harsh year for a lot of people. I guess all I have to say to that is don't wait for a calendar day to take the reins of your life. I think humans are the least happy when they're not moving forward. I know I am. And I know sometimes it can get frustrating because our own individual lives or the world can seem right now that they're not moving forward. And in fact, they're moving backwards. It's almost like we're on an escalator that's going down and we want to go up. And every time you take a step forward, it's like the stairs get whipped out from under you and you just walk in place, but just run a little harder and gain ground. But anyways, after that, sentimentality i am your horror host wes dead air nipe now and forever and i'll see you in 2018 on panels of blood